Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Garbage Game Club. I'm Nick Limone, and joining me today, we have absolutely no one. That's right. This is a little bit of a different episode of Garbage Game Club, and I'll tell you why. It's because... Uh, amid the outbreaks of coronavirus, COVID-19, novel coronavirus, whatever you want to call it, and our impending move, Joey and I have come into a little bit of a bottleneck when it comes to content to push to Patreon and just uh, all the feeds. So I took it upon myself because as you all know who watch the Weekly Scoop on a regular basis, I have been obsessed with the Near franchise. Um, and I'm not talking... Uh, near automata, automata, which I'm currently playing, but I'm I'm talking about finishing for the first time the original near or near Gestalt, as it's known. And actually, no, it's not known in the West as that, um, as it's known in Japan, near Gestalt, which is the Xbox 360 PS3 version of the game with an older man. Whereas Japan, they got two very specific releases of the game. One called near Gestalt, which features an old man to appeal to. Uh, it, it kind of features an older man who is the father to the sick daughter Yona in the game. Uh, which is thought to appeal to uh, Western American audiences specifically. And then in Japan, they got Near Replicant, where you play as a young boy named Near, a teenage Near, instead of an old man, and you are trying to save your sister, Yona, from a disease called the Black Scrawl. And really, there's not much of a difference outside of a couple dialogue instances where people reference yona as Nier's either daughter or sister um so that's really it and so i think i'm just gonna go into it like i don't really have a, a scheme of how i plan on talking about it. i'm just i'm just gonna free ball it i'm gonna talk about Nier because this game has moved me in a way i didn't think was possible and i'm gonna spoil it a little bit early but I think this might be in my top five games of all time, both Nier and Automata. Like, I've played Automata before. Um, but that said, I played through Automata when it first released, and I played it through all four endings, through ending E to completion. And I was like, for some reason, I don't know what was going on with me. Maybe I wasn't in the proper headspace, but it, it just seemed like, oh, this was a really cool time. Um, but I feel like I didn't really give it an opportunity to, appre to appreciate it. And so years later, I'm messing around my computer and I was like, oh, wow, someone got the PS3 emulator working very well on PC. And it's called like RC, R, RCPCS3 or something like that, RPCS3, something like that. And so I was like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I figured out how to play a PS3 game on here? I was like, what game should I play? Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots? Nah. And I was like, what game? I was like, maybe I should check out the Nier franchise. Like, I feel like it's going to be rough, a little buggy, and maybe just a fun little experience for a couple, like maybe an hour at most, and then I'll put it down. But I'll, I'll give it a shot. So I downloaded, I mean, I offloaded my PS3 copy of Nier, and lo and behold, I got presented with Nier um, as it was released in 2010. And... Right away from the get-go in the title sequence, I was kind of like, oh, I'm in for a good time because the, the title sequence opens with this character. I, I believe it, like at the time I was like, oh, is this a woman speaking? And she's talking about 
uh, grimoire vice and how he's like succumbing to the shadow Lord and, and how he's like basically groveling at the, she's making fun of this, this thing, which I didn't know of. And she calls him a little bitch and like, stop being a little bitch and start fucking helping is how the game title sequence opens. And then we're met with just like a cacophonous choir and music. And I'm like, Whoa, the music in Nier's banging like what is this and so i start a new game as one does and you're forced to name a character i always name my characters now nicholas n-i-k-l-u-s just because i think it's a fun stylization of my name nicholas uh, which is n-i-c-h-o-l-a-s and uh right away i'm presented with a dystopic vision of the future that's not unlike the one we are currently experiencing. Um, it, it, we, we are flash forwarded to maybe like 2054 in Tokyo and what we see what looks like snow falling to the ground. Um, but something that I would come to learn later is actually salt. And we're presented with Nier and his daughter, Yona. Nier is an old man, probably in his late 40s, mid 50s. And he's looking after his young, I'd say preteen, early teenage daughter named Yona, who has fallen victim to this disease called the uh, Black Scrawl. Uh, Black Scrawl is what it is, I believe. And it, what it, it manifests, manifests itself as text, black text a la tattoo style that kind of climbs up the flesh and kind of envelops your entire body. And we don't really know what's going on, but immediately Nier is tasked with defending his daughter from these creatures known as shades. And as you guess, they're very shadow-like. Um, and by not only, you can't take them on with just yourself you, you need to enlist the help of a book and for some reason Nier was not a big fan of asking this book for help but seeing his daughter at risk he makes a pact with this book and in doing so it grants him magical abilities for those who have played Nier Automata it behaves in a very similar fashion as the pods where you have a, a not really an AI companion, but it's just you have something that hovers over your shoulder over the entirety of the game. In this instance, it is a talking book and it shoots out magical spells and it feels very much like a machine gun in the way it, it releases magical bullets. And you're fighting off the shades, fighting off the shades, but it's too late. Uh, Yona has succumbed to the Black Scrawl and near dams uh, the world around him. And then we get a flash forward to I want to say it's like 3,000 years in the future and all of a sudden we're thrust back into an almost medieval countryside type setting we are no longer in what looks like our current contemporary vision of Tokyo but somewhere in the past nature has reclaimed the lands which really struck me when I first like loaded into this sequence um turns out when the world falls to ruin and uh the apocalypse happens the world resets itself a little bit and uh we see nature has taken growth we see wildlife blossom in the outskirts of some unnamed countryside and we meet Yona again, who seems better. She's still sick. And Nier now is donning like more medieval type armor, like almost like a D&D style barbarian look. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go get Yona's medicine. We are presented with the knowledge that this is something that's commonplace. And so 
we exit their lovely little cottage that they have. It has like a little pond, the ability to farm crops. It's, it's great. And we're thrust into this village where everyone knows who Nier is. He's the guy who gets shit done in the house. And again, I could go through over, like, I can go so in depth with the story, but I really only have so much time because we still have to do the weekly scoop today. But over the course of the game, you realize like, oh, Nier is the guy who gets things done for the villagers and they give him rewards and that all manifests itself through side quests. And over the course of the game, you start to realize the world is not quite what it seems. And I think that's something that that Yoko Taro, who is the director of this game, he works at Square Enix. You may know his work as the Cavia um, uh, was his first development studio and they developed the original Drakengard. Drakengard um, 3 and then Nier and then Nier Automata. Or, I'm sorry, Nier, Drakengard 3 and then Nier Automata. Uh, but really, Yoko Taro truly made a name for himself with the release of uh, Nier Automata. Um, so I, I, the only thing that really drew me to this game specifically was like, I know Yoko Taro is an interesting dude. He's kind of eccentric and I like that about him. Um, I vaguely am aware of Drakengard. At least I was back then, but now I know like everything there is to know about Drakengard. And all I knew is that for some reason, the world of Nier takes place in the post world of Drakengard based on one of the endings. I can go on in on that a little bit later, but you are realizing as you are venturing out across the land, kind of reconnecting communication lines between other small settlements, that this world is very much our current world that we live in, just so far in the future that, again, nature has reclaimed it, and it feels very much like something from a medieval fantasy. Uh, but underlying it all is just this inherent, inherent tragedy, this inherent sadness that really envelops the game and i think it really hits at home with the sense of longing um that you that you feel and when you listen to the music in the game because spoilers the music in both near and near automata are fantastic um it's all composed by a man named keiichi okabe and as soon as i loaded into the hub world which is the the planes i'm just greeted with probably one of my favorite overworld themes and probably since Final Fantasy VII. Like, it's just, listen to it a little bit. such a sense of longing and yearning for a time that 
that was and no longer is and it's almost like desperately trying to go back but he can't and it's instead it's kind of chugging forward trying its best to uh kind of live and subsist despite all of the circumstances around it and so over the course of the game the thing that the game really wants to hammer home is that near the father will do anything for his daughter so long as she gets to live and see another day and the the beauty of it is that you get a lot of side quests that don't really matter especially with yona she asks you to get ingredients and it all leads to her wanting to cook dinner for near and she's not a very good cook, but he still stomachs it because she tried and she's very weak. So he does his best to encourage her whenever possible. And that only builds that emotional rapport between them. And you you realize something tragic is going to happen because you care about these people so much. And speaking of other people, we are introduced to Kaine. And she is a woman with a foul mouth. She's a badass with two buzzsaw style swords. Uh, foul mouth. Where's lingerie for some reason? Oh, Yoko Taro is kind of a pervy dude. Um, that That is really like one of the only downsides with both uh, Kaine and uh, 2B. Uh, interestingly enough, Kaine is later revealed to be a hermaphrodite, um, which is a little bit of an outdated word. I think the, the correct phrasing now is like intersex. Um, but regardless, I think it's an interesting uh, thing to introduce later in the game. Um, uh, but when I, I've been kind of, like I said, obsessed with Yoko Taro. So I've been reading through a couple books about him, about the world of Nier, Grimoire Nier, the Nier Tamata world book, and a book called The Strange Works of Yoko Taro or Taro Yoko. And he basically revealed like the reason why he made Kaine, uh, intersex is that he's just like, oh, that's just how like, you know, some people are like that. And that's it. Like, it's not really a point that she's. Uh, intersex but just like that's just how some people are like that so just the same way another character we later find out uh is gay uh, emile it's never really a point of the plot it's just like yeah, yeah sometimes you know some people are gay and that that's it it doesn't make like a oh you know maybe he's just struggling with his feelings it's like no you yoko taro shrubs like no he's he's gay but it's not really a point of the story it was just like i just figured why not like there's people like this in our world that just exist and they have their own motivations and I, and I really applaud that about uh about Yoko Taro he he just he's inclusive in a way that's just like well that's just the way the world did so why would I why would I stray from that uh but getting ahead of myself a little bit uh the words Emil the word Emil the name Emil might strike a chord with you if you've only played near Automata because Emil is a very scary skull-faced rotating head that has a child's voice and in Nier Automata, he's kind of a side character, at least someone who I thought was a side character. But he, it turns out, might be the central pivotal character in the entirety of the Drakengarden Nier universe. Uh, for those who don't know what Emil looks like in his current form, it's basically the mask that Yoko Taro wears whenever he goes on stage and makes an appearance in public. Um, so you were introduced to this wonderful cast of characters you have kaine a foul-mouthed person who is ostracized not only because she's intersex but she's also possessed by a shade um shades you begin to find out are are things that are not quite what they seem every time you kill a shade in near 
they kind of let out like a backwards cry. Like if you were to take someone's voice, uh, speaking words, fast forward it, pitch it high, and then reverse it, you get what a shadow or a shade is saying. And you start to suspect there's more to the world of Nier than it's initially presented. But Kaine is ostracized because she, again, she is possessed by a shade. She is half woman, half shade, and all scary to the people around her. And, and people treat her very shittily. Uh, and then we are also introduced to uh, Emil. Emil is another person who's ostracized by society because uh, he, unfortunately, for some reason, and a reason we will later come to learn, has the ability to turn things to stone whenever he looks at them. And so he wears a blindfold so that he doesn't turn everything to stone around him. And um, I'm kind of all over the place here, but I, I think not only is Nier fascinating because of its its colorful cast of characters who truly feel like well-rounded characters, each with their own desires, their own motivations, and their own flaws coming together as this kind of this, this pack of people who are broken to some extent, trying to persevere in a world that desperately wants them dead, which, oh, it's so good. And everyone, like each character has like a leitmotif theme. Like every time this character comes on screen and does something, their theme plays, which is what a leitmotif is for those who are unaware. Basically, a way in opera for the audience to get to know characters is through leitmotifs. Character A will always have character A's theme, and it's usually interwoven with the greater score to kind of give you an auditory reassurance that this character is a part of the story and it's to cement the fact and cement a bond between that character um one person who's actually very good at doing this is nobu uematsu in the final fantasy series we know Aerith's theme we know tara's theme uh every character in final fantasy has a theme and that, i i think that's just good com uh, composition work i'm not a big music guy i appreciate music but I, th I think without a shadow of a doubt, music and storytelling is all about reinforcing the connection between the audience and a character or the audience and the overall work. Um, but uh, I think above all, Nier as a game, one of the most fascinating things about Nier is its ability to mix genre. Coming from a guy who had just played Nier Automata, I was aware that Yoko Taro loves, loves, loves bullet hell shoot 'em ups a la uh, Ikaruga or like Gradius or something along those lines, like a top-down or side perspective, dodging a, a ton of bullets while you're trying to kill enemies in a spaceship where you usually die in one hit. And I, I, I came to expect that because like in Nier Automata, that's present loud and clear. It's like part action RPG, part platformer, part bullet hell, dodge everything, shoot him up. And very much you see the core tenets of that in the original Nier. And it's awesome. It does it so effortlessly and it feels special every time it happens. But the one thing I was not expecting is one area of the game, you get rumor that there is a village in a forest that has fallen victim to a curse that dooms everyone who inhabits the village to never-ending sleep. And in doing so, they have dreams. Their entire society exists through dreams. So like what I expected is I would go there, to the village, get told what the problem is, 
kill a couple enemies, level up a few times, buy a couple items, sell a couple items, rinse and repeat until I fight a boss, turn the quest in, and then I move on. But that is not the case in Nier. No. Taro has the, or Yoko, I should say, Yoko has the audacity to present in, again, keep in mind, this is in 2010. He's like, hey, I know you're playing an action game, but what if I just gave you a, like a text parsing dungeon crawler where you're just using text to navigate. So you're presented with a series of novellas where you have to make choices a la Zork and in doing so, like making a wrong choice could lead to an early game over based on in-game text. And it's not like the writing is just like, oh, whatever, you're in a dungeon, blah, blah, blah. The writing is tragic. It's terrifying. Everything about these dreams are, are nightmares. There's, there's a castle with bodies stacked to the, to the ceiling, blood flooding hallways and, and things like that. Like it's just gruesome, dark material handled so maturely because it's not just like dark for dark sake like it's just like this is just you know abstract imagery that we are presenting the player with and it's up to them to navigate it and i was just blown away that they would include something like you know a, a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy style text adventure which is just so cool but uh, i'm getting a little long-winded here i oh my someone sorry I'm getting a ton of messages. I will probably edit this out. Apologies. I will edit. Nah, probably won't. But I'm getting a little bit long-winded in saying that when when distilled down to it. Oh, I didn't even touch. I'll touch on the side quests real quick. The side quests in near. For the most part, they're busy work. They're not particularly interesting. It's usually go here, kill X number of things, get X number of items, come back, turn the quest in, get paid. And that's, for the most part, a big brunt of what you can expect from side quests in Nier. But some quests pay off in a way that's just heartbreaking. There are quests it's tough to speak without spoiling it, but basically there are almost universal truths presented via side quests that are just profoundly moving, uh, tragic looks at real life circumstances in life. I don't want to delve too much into the specifics. Maybe I'll just touch on I'll, I'll touch on – no, I don't even want to talk. But basically, it usually boils down to human interaction in a way where I believe that Taro believes that one of the greatest tragedies that has befallen the human race is our inability to communicate properly. It is in our misunderstandings that our greatest flaws are highlighted, but it's in trying to understand those tragedies that make life truly worth living. And that sounds like a lot of like smoke blown up the ass of this game, but like I truly feel that there's some profound moments in near side quests. And, and again, this extends to the game proper because 
near at its core is a tragedy and Yoko Taro is great at subverting the power fantasy that video games offer people and he does that through multiple endings for those who have played near automata you're very aware that once you beat the game for the first time you're not really done and it's not so much that you're playing through the same content over again it's an arbitrary this is the first ending but continue playing because I guarantee you there's a lot of interesting stuff after this and Nier is very much like that and it all stems with um, basically in the halfway point of Nier, Nier Replicant or I'll just call it Nier Gestalt because that's the one I played. At a halfway point things look dire because you go to try and rescue, try and get a cure for Yona but she ends up getting kidnapped by this shadowy creature who looks a lot like Nier or Nicholas in this instance and she gets kidnapped away. Kaine traps a, a, a giant shade uh, inside this uh, library in the village. Village has been infiltrated by a ton of shades and you have basically failed your quest. The game flash forwards five years and your character Nier looks a little bit older, wears a face mask now, and the time has passed. He's doing his best to make sure to not give up hope. And the beautiful thing about Yoko Taro's works or again, I touched on it earlier, but now I can finally talk about it, is the ability to subvert the, the power fantasy that video games offer. Because the first ending of both Nier and Nier Automata, we'll refer to as ending A, is all about fulfilling the standard power fantasy. Because the end of Nier, outside of realizing that some of the uh, beings around you are actually androids and that the shades you've been killing this entire time are actually human souls who have been separated from the body because um, this project that the government initiated called Project Gestalt. And what we come to find out is that snow that I was talking about earlier in the game when you're in Tokyo in 2050, that's actually salt. And it turns out one of the endings from the original, this is why I might lose people. One of the endings from the original Drakengard involves being transported from a medieval fantasy to modern day Tokyo, where you are a giant dragon fighting a giant being in a rhythm, rhythm game last boss. And the corpse of that boss falls to earth and um, basically unleashes this, this, thing this source of energy and magic called mako into the air and that mako gives people one of two options one either binds them forces them to make a pact with this evil entity thus becoming a servant and slave to it or it turns them to a pillar of salt and if that pillar of salt gets ingested you also get presented with hey you have to make this pack now turn to salt or become a slave and in becoming a slave you become super violent and start killing people around you and so the government decided to in order to combat this disease again it feels very like pandemic level and like oh shoot this feels oddly like a weird time for me to get into this game with covid19 coronavirus going around but regardless um, I think it makes it hit even harder. But the government decides that they don't know how long this disease will stay active. So in order to combat it and ensure the survival of the human race, initiate Project Gestalt to separate the soul from the human body and put that soul in a machine so that humans can still go about living their daily lives. And then should the time come when the disease dissipates forever, they put the soul back in the human body and life proceeds as normal. What we come to find out is that 
the Shadow Lord is actually the soul of the original Nier, the Nier that we play as in the original opening of the game. What you are playing as is the replicant who is a being that is extra. But these gestalts, the problem the government found out is the gestalts have managed to find a sentience and the sense of self. And so they rebelled. And so what you're doing in ending A is basically saying, no, I am here to save my daughter and that is all I'm going to do. And so the game ends with you killing the Shadow Lord once and for all. Ending A, credits roll, beautiful music plays, you feel like the hero because you're supposed to. For the most part, playthrough B is almost identical to playthrough A, but this time we get added, we get a little bit more added context. This time we see things from the perspective, perspective of Kaine and the shade inhabiting her body and you get all of its commentary. So you get additional context for who Kaine is, where she came from and why people treat her so shitty. But because you are also in technically inhabiting, being inhabited by a shade, you have the ability to learn what the shades are saying. So that backwards text becomes discernible via on-screen text. And you come to find out these are just souls of people who can't help what they're doing. Think a zombie, but a zombie with a sense of self. So um, it, it's really interesting too because a lot of the earth shades that you fight, there's tons of tiny shades that you fight. And when you kill them, they have a tendency to drop school books, textbooks, children's toys and you don't really think about it too much because like oh great it's junk i can sell and get money but you, you, over the course of near you probably kill like thousands of children uh in addition to their guardians adults and so on and so forth so you get added context of like oh i'm not doing something for the good of like i'm doing something selfish i am damning humanity by making my choices and at the end of playthrough b we come to find out that yeah uh papa near is just damning humanity for the sake of being reunited with his daughter which is a choice that you see in a very similar situation in the original last of us at the very end with joel and ellie and it's very much like i can't blame him for making that choice because if humanity is already fucked then what more like how much more precious is this emotional bond that is selfish, sure, but like when all you have is this selfish bond. This selfish bond? Yeah, when this all you. Selfish bond? I'm recording a podcast, dude. Oh. I'm recording. Hey, everybody, I'm really sorry. I'm not doing this one, but Nick's doing it. So I'm like almost it's, done. That's fine. I know he's almost done. That's it's fine. It's cool. I just wanted to. I couldn't not be here for like a second, so I'm actually really close and breathing on Nick right now. You probably have a virus. Well, I probably will survive it better than you. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but but really, all that's left is like this selfish bond between Nier and his daughter. So when humanity's already fucked, then like how much more meaningful is that relationship and bond? And so ending B subsides and then you are presented with the busy work of ending C that Yoko Taro gets a little bit better at doing. Um, in future games, but basically in order to see everything near has to offer You have to collect every single weapon that's in the game 
And in doing so, you get to the last boss where you are killing the Shadow Lord. And then upon killing the Shadow Lord, you are greeted with a giant, like, monologue from Kaine, who's saying, like, hey, I'm about to get possessed by the shade that's inhabiting my body. Will you do me a favor and kill me? And you have one of two options. You can either see option ending C, kill her, and then you free her from her mortal coil, easing her of her suffering, and you go on and live a happy life with your daughter, Yona. Or you can do something far more interesting and something that is the canon of the story, and that's ending D. Ending D gives you the ability to rewrite existence where you can save Kaine from this spirit possessing her body, but it comes at a cost. That which is given must also be taken. So something needs to be given up in exchange for Kaine's life. And so in order for Kaine to remain in existence, Father Nier has to give up his own existence. And so the game warns you like, hey, do you want to do this action? Because doing so will cause the PlayStation 3 to erase all of your save progress in every save file of near are you okay with that and the game asks you probably about five times and the final is like are you sure you we will we really will delete every piece of data in your near save are you okay with that and once you hit approve the game boots you out to your um, inventory screen where you can track how much progress you've done with side quests, weapons you've collected, items, and at this point it's like 35 to 40 hours worth of work. And you see page by page, because it's all being done through this, this talking book that, that is your companion, the Grimoire Vice, and page by page your quests disappear. All of your weapons disappear, your money disappears, your item disappears. The game boots you out into the, the start screen where you can choose what load you want. And one by one, each one is struck from existence. And the game unfolds and, and it really is you giving up your existence for Kaine. And Kaine just, she knows she shouldn't be where she is. And for some reason, she can't understand there's something, there's a phantom at the cusp of her memory that she can't quite put her finger on, but something allowed her to exist again. And the game goes so, so far as to wipe your name from existence, because if you go to create a new game again, and you type in your same name that you used to play the game, in this instance, it was Nicholas, I typed Nicholas in and it says, I'm sorry, but you cannot use that name anymore. And so you're forced to, if you wanted to play the game, choose another string of text in order to continue playing the game, which I think is, it, it's bold, it's exciting, it's something that's like truly poetic in a way that I don't think a lot of games have the gall to be. And for that, I think that's about, that's enough gushing for Nier. Um, but if you guys have any questions, please leave them in the comments of this Patreon post or just hit me up on Twitter at AdventNick. I'd love to talk to you about Nier. Um, but if you are listening to this on your regular podcast feeds, consider backing us over on CyberGarbage or Patreon.com slash CyberGarbage. There you'll get access to early versions of this podcast, usually with another person, and a version of this podcast about movies called Joey Hates Movies. And basically both of the podcasts on this network are all about book clubs for their respective mediums. So Joey Hates Movies is about movies, Garbage Game Club, book club, book club about games. So consider backing us over at the $5 level. Um, but if you are a freeloader and want to help out somehow, 
consider leaving us a five-star review um, and just say something nice about me. That would make me feel lovely. But until then, thank you for listening to me rant to you about Nier. There's so much to touch on, but it's just something that really sparked my my imagination and, and really just ensnared my imagination. Like, I, I really, really am into this, and you best believe I'm going to do this again for Nier Automata. So until then, thank you all very much. Goodbye. Oh